we're continuing our study in the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bible, you can look with me at Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, we're going to look in a few moments to chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Uh, while you're turning there, I'll tell you the story. There was a uh, there was a blind man who had his seeing eye dog, and they were walking in a in a big city in a big city, getting ready to cross the street, and there was traffic everywhere, and the dog just walked right on out, and so cars were slamming on their brakes, they were honking their horns, people were yelling at the man, and he just went right across the street with his dog, got across the street, and he got down on his knees, and he pulled out a treat from his pocket, and he gave it to his dog. Now, there was a man who saw everything that was going on, and he was totally confounded by this. And so he walked over to the man, and he said, why in the world are you giving your dog a treat? He just about got you killed. And he said, I'm I'm not giving him a treat. He said, I'm just trying to figure out which end I need to kick. Now, there's something to be said... You know, for people who are, who are paying attention to what they're doing. There's something to be said for people who actually watch out where they're going. And I really think that's something that, uh, a lot of us kind of struggle with. We just sort of get all caught up in life and all the stuff that's going on around us that, that we really just sort of don't pay attention to a whole lot of things that happen around us. And when that goes on, then it means that there's some bad decisions that we can end up making. Well, as we are going through our study in, in the book of Ephesians, the three verses we're looking at today are very simple verses. And what Paul is encouraging in these three verses is basically for us to watch out where we're going, uh, to pay attention to our surroundings. And the way that we do that is that we try to live our lives through the instructions of God to walk in wisdom, you know, just to pay attention. And so that's what we're going to see in our text. And so we're going to look in verses 15 through 17 in just a few moments. But just as a reminder, to give you an idea again of Ephesus, Ephesus was, it was really, for the ancient world, it was a happening city. Uh, they had one of the seven wonders of the world in Ephesus, the Temple of Diana. It's this huge temple. It was a banking center for the Roman Empire. It was a major port city. So people from all over the world came there in order to trade. And so it's just a lot of stuff, it'd be like New York City, a lot of stuff that's going on. And so with all this activity going on around them, it got to a point where it was very easy for the people to pay attention to all the outside stuff and really not be aware of the things that were truly important in life. And I thought about that, and I thought, yeah, gosh, in a lot of ways, it, we're in a similar situation. Um, our nation is the, it's, it's the greatest nation in the world. Y'all, we are, we, we have so much wealth compared to everybody else in our world. We have more things available to us. We have more education available to us. We have, you know, the greatest entertainment centers that there are in the world. And so because of all those things, I think it's really easy for us to get caught up in the peripheral things of life and really not watch out where we're going. And so the question is, well, what's the solution to that? Well, Paul shares a solution, and he tells us that we are to be a people of wisdom. Well, how do we become a people of wisdom? You know, how do we do that? Well, good news is Paul tells us how. And Paul shares with us some really key steps in walking in wisdom in this life so that we can know what's going on around us and be aware of it. And the very first thing that Paul teaches us today is he said, if you're going to walk in wisdom, real simple, he said, just follow directions. 
Follow the directions that God gives. If you look in verses 15 and 16 of chapter 5, Paul said, pay careful attention then to how you walk. He says, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. He starts off by telling, he says, pay careful attention then to how you walk. And that word to pay attention, it means to look. It means to observe. So what Paul is commanding us here is to examine ourselves to see if we are following the directions and the instructions that God has given to us. Now you might say, well, what kind of instruction or what kind of direction has God given? You know, what kind of, what, what kind of leadership has he given me in my life? And, and the neat thing to discover is it's this book. You know, God instructs us and directs us in our living according to his word. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, these are some of the instructions he gives on how we're to live. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of, uh, heard of among you, as is proper for the saints. And coarse and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. And so right here in this text, Paul says, I mean, you might say, well, how am I to live and be a person of wisdom? What kind of directions am I to follow? And in these verses, Paul gives directions. He very clearly tells us how to live. He says, live a life of love. He said, live your life above reproach. He said, when you speak, make sure that the words that come out of your mouth, that they build people up, that they don't tear people down. He said, in your speech, in the way that you live, he said, you bring honor and glory to God in the decisions that you make. And so that's one of the great things. We know how to do this because Paul shares with us the directions on how to live a life of wisdom. Now that sounds really good, but what I'm discovering is that for most of us, it is really hard to follow directions. And so I said, I don't have any problem following directions, and I, I don't believe it. You know, every Christmas, now for those of you, especially for dads, whenever you get the gifts for your kids, you know, this kind of stuff you had to put together, what do you typically do with the directions? You glance at them, unless you're, you know, unless I know there are some of you who are, you're just a letter of the law all the time. Most of us are not. And so we look at the directions. I know I do. I look at the directions and I go, man, it's a lot of words. And so, yeah, and plus the older I get, the tinier the words are getting and they get fuzzy. And so I'm like, I can figure out how to put this stuff together. I mean, I can put a transformer together and I don't need any help. And so I try to put it together by myself and what happens? I have more, it's, it's a miracle of God. I have more parts left over than I started with. And so what happens is it ends up being this huge mess because I don't follow directions. Similarly, trying to put your life together without following the directions of God leads to a mess. See, directions are so important. That's why in our small group ministries and our V groups, that's why we're having signups out there. We want you to plug into small groups. And the reason why is because we want you to begin to look and to see what kind of instructions God gives to us in the Bible and for us to be able to connect and have relationships with people, you know, really get to know people. 
to have friendships and to pray for each other and discover together how God's Word applies to our daily living so that we can make wise choices, so that we can follow the directions that God's given us in His Word. So a question for us, how do I walk in wisdom? How do I be a wise person? First of all, it begins with you following directions. Well, are there any more instructions? Well, in our text today, yeah. Another key to walking in wisdom is to know the time. Yeah, we have to be aware of time. In verses, uh, in verse number 16, it says, Make the most of the time, because the days are evil. Now that word time says make the most of time. It's not talking about make the most of, you know, it's not speaking of hours, minutes, and seconds. It's speaking of a season. That's what the word time is referring to, a season. And Paul's saying make the most of your season. Make the most of your life. And he says this because he's indicating that we only have a season of life. Life does not last forever. Now, I know we know this, and I think we know this in our mind. We know that, that everybody lives and then everybody dies. But the way we practice it is I think we, we practice everybody else lives and everybody else is going to die except for me. And that's just not the way it's going to happen, y'all. Uh, Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed unto man once to die and then to face the judgment. Now, there's going to get, every day that we live is a day closer to our death. And that's, that's a happy thought, isn't it? You know, I mean, you came here today saying, I just wanted to be uplifted today. And I'm here telling you, well, after today, you got one less day to live. But, you know, that's true. I mean, we need to understand, we need to know the time. And so, in light of that, here's a question for you and for me. How are you spending your time? Yeah, how are you spending the season that God's given you? I looked at some statistics to see how we spend our time. There's, yeah, I just, you know, television's always, I, it's, there's some great things about TV and internet and all that. Man, it can be the bane of our existence. Um, I saw the, the average American male, watch, we, we watch 28 hours of television a week. 28 hours. Uh, children watch 29 hours of television a week. You put on top of that their gaming devices, add another nine and a half hours to that. Uh, ladies watch 34 hours of television a week. I mean, like I'm surprised. Uh, so I'm just teasing. So 34 hours of television a week. Y'all, there ain't nothing worth watching on TV that long, except for Turtle Man. You know, other than that, there's not. And so, I, yeah, and I, I look at those, you know, those, like, statistics, and I sit there, and I think, how are we spending our time? Are we using our time wisely? Now, you might say, well, how, how am I supposed to make the most of my time? And Paul does tell us how, how we're to live. In Galatians 6.10, he says, therefore, as we have opportunity, he said, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. How many of you actually do that? How many of you actually live not just for self, but you live for others? You know, the, the Bible gives us a couple of examples of, of people who wasted their time. Uh, one, of the, one of the stories I think of is a story of Noah. And when I th- what, y'all, what did Noah do? Anybody remember? 
He, he built he built the ark. It's right over there. It looks like an ark. He, and Noah built the ark. Now, why did Noah build the build the ark? The reason why he built the ark is because God told him. He said, I'm, I'm, you know, people have been wasting their time. They live in rebellion to me. And he said, they need to repent. He said, because I'm going to judge this place and judge it with the flood. And so, you know what Noah did? He, he went out and he preached a message of repentance for years. And I'm sure there are some people who listened to him and they thought that he was crazy. He said, this guy, he's building a boat. What's, I mean, what's this all about? But I'm sure, I bet you there were some other people, though, when they, when they heard the message, they said, yeah, not today, but maybe, maybe tomorrow. Not today, but maybe, maybe some other time. But there came a time when their season ended, and God shut the door and nobody else could get on the boat. They wasted their time. I think of Judas, who was a disciple of Jesus. He spent three and a half years with Jesus every night and every day. And yet when it came down to it, he ended up betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He wasted his time. I think of a story that I heard in church history in 1269, a guy named Kublai Khan. He was a, a, a Mongol warrior, basically taking over the world. He wrote a letter to the Pope in 1269. And he said, send us a hundred of your wisest Christians. And he said, my people and my barons and my family, we will be baptized and become followers of Jesus. And he said, and we will have more Christians here than you have. The Christians sent two Dominican friars to travel to China, to Peking. They made it as far as Armenia. It was tough traveling. They turned back around, came home, never reached China. Y'all, a great opportunity was missed. Historians say it's one of the greatest evangelistic opportunities that we missed that could have changed the course of Asia. You know, I look at some of us, I know some of us have blown great opportunities, and we look back on it and we regret it. I mean, some of you have grown up in the church. Some of you have grown up with parents who taught you well. Some of you have been blessed with sharp minds, and yet, and yet we've wasted all those things. And we, we've, we've used them for those things for ourselves, or we've ignored what we've been taught because we wanted to go after things that were just for us. You know, some of us know that, that we have friends, that the people that we work with who, who don't know Jesus. We know and we believe that without Christ that we are doomed and yet, and yet we, we waste our time with them because we want to be accepted by everybody, because we want to be seen as being a good person who's not going to offend anyone or who's not going to put, put their faith out there. And then I look at what Paul says, and Paul says, make the most of your time. Be aware of the time because our time is short and there will be a day when we will stand before God. So how do we live lives of wisdom? Follow directions. We know the time. And this is the last one I, I want to share with you. Another way that we can walk in wisdom and this one's really, really practical. Have self-control. If we're going to walk in wisdom, we need to have self-control. And we see this in verse number 18. It's an interesting verse. It says, don't get drunk with wine. Now, Paul doesn't just say this out of the blue. Obviously, there's a problem in Ephesus. And he's writing to the church. Obviously, there's some people in the church that are, that are getting drunk often. So he says, hey, don't get drunk with wine, which leads 
to reckless actions, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, the best way for us to avoid wasting time is to be in control. And that's why Paul says don't get drunk with wine. Now, why does he say that? Because whenever a person gets drunk, one thing that happens is they lose control. Have y'all ever, have y'all seen that happen before? How, how much wisdom have you experienced with people who are drunk? I mean, it's not like you're talking to Aristotle. You know, I mean, it's like Bill and Ted's adventure. It's Socrates. You know, it's just not good. And so that's, today we have laws for this. That's why we do, you can't drink and drive because drinking impairs your ability to make good decisions, it slows down your thought process. That's why we don't put up with public drunkenness. That's why it's something that is illegal. Now, as I say these things, and I'm not really, I'm not backtracking here, but I do want to say this. Some people can look and they say, well, listen, in the Bible, Jesus drank wine, and that's exactly right. Now, alcohol in and of itself, it is not evil. Where it becomes evil is the way that we use it. Now, I've heard a lot of people tell me, they say, you had the, well, the reason why I like to drink is because it relaxes me. It helps me to feel good. Being relaxed, feeling good, I, I really believe this. I believe those are natural desires that come from God. I believe God desires those things for us. Uh, we're told in Ecclesiastes, and I like this one, it says, there's a time to laugh. Christians, you know what? We, we need to be people who enjoy laughing, who have a good time. Too many of us, we're, too many Christians are known as people who've been sucking on persimmons all day. You know, we, we are people that need to be a joyful people. Uh, Philippians, Paul said we are to rejoice in the Lord. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew, he said, all you who are weary and burdened, he said, come to me and I will give you rest. These are biblical principles. These are biblical desires that we are to have. But whenever people rely upon alcohol to bring them happiness and joy and rest, let me tell you something, we, you have to understand it. Understand this, it's temporary. Because when it all wears off, you still got the same problems. And, 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 and some people end up drinking so much that they become addicted to it. Now, we can sit here and argue all day about whether or not it's okay for a Christian to drink alcohol. We're not going to have that argument today. I told you I don't believe that in and of itself that, that it's evil. But let me share with you what I do know. The Bible says it is a sin. It doesn't say it's not just unwise. It says it is sinful to become drunk. Now, for those of you who say, oh, well, I, like to, I like to have a beer every once in a while or have a wine, I'm not going to sit here and judge you on that deal. But let me tell you something. If you get drunk... I am. Christians, we have, if we're going to live wise, we have a command from the Lord that we are not to become drunk. Galatians 5, and 23, just to give you an example, it says the fruit of the Spirit, it says it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul says don't get drunk because you lose self-control. If you want the fruit of the Spirit, you avoid those things. You stay away from those things. So in order to be wise and to be alert, you are to be filled with the Spirit of God, you know, not the Spirit of the bar. Because the Spirit of God says He will lead us to life. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of sin. That when we stray off the path that God has us on, He gets us back on the right path so that we will leave us, live in such a way that we honor God. But whenever we stay off the path of wisdom, then, guys, we end up making bad decisions. We waste time. Now, I'll be honest with you. There are times 
And that you just, surely there are some of you, especially those of you who are really responsible, there are times when you think, I'm so sick of being responsible for everybody else. I just want to throw off all restraints and do whatever I want to do. And you don't have to say, oh, yeah, that's me. Just, just hide that. But I know there's some of you who think it. See, I'm just so tired of everybody else. They get to be irresponsible. I'm ready to be irresponsible. And let me tell you something. Irresponsibility, and believe me, I know about irresponsibility. It can be fun. It can be fun. But let me share with you the truth about it. There's a book by a guy named Scott Peck, and he wrote this in a, in a book called uh, The Road Less Traveled. He was a, he's a, a guy who rides. He rides bikes, uh, does mountain biking trails. And, and here's what he said. I thought this was a pretty good example of it. He said about a mile from our house, he said, there's a road that goes down a steep hill. It turns sharply at the bottom. He said, coasting down the hill one morning on my bike, I felt my gathering speed to be ecstatic. Okay, some of you I know that you really enjoy speed. He said, to give up this ecstasy by applying the brakes seemed to be an absurd self-punishment. He said, so I resolved to simultaneously retain my speed and try to negotiate the corner. He said, my ecstasy ended a few seconds later when I was propelled a dozen feet off the road into a tree. I was badly scratched and bleeding. My bike was smashed beyond use. He said, I'd been unwilling to suffer the pain of giving up my ecstatic speed and the interest of maintaining my balance around the corner. I learned, however, that the loss of balance is ultimately more painful than giving up uh, than the giving up required to maintain balance. It is a lesson I've continually had to relearn. As must everyone, for as we negotiate the curves and corners of our lives, we must continually give up parts of ourselves. Okay, do you understand that? Going fast is really fun. But when the curves come, there's some things we have to give up if we're going to maintain our balance. If we're going to be able to stay upright. And it can be fun to live a life without restraints until the life of restraints catches up with you. And I promise you it will. A life without restraints will catch up with you. And there will be a price to pay for it. And I promise you it's not worth paying it. See, that's why whenever I look into our scripture, I see that, that God calls for us to live lives of wisdom because he knows that there's going to be a day when we're going to stand before him and we're going to be held accountable for the way that we live. And so the question is, how are you living? How are you spending your time? Are you, are you living life for you? Are you living life for God? Are you making the most of your time or are you wasting your time? Today, Paul's lesson is on being wise, having wisdom. Now, what are, what are the keys to walking in wisdom? So you follow directions from God. How do you live a life of wisdom? You know the time. And then the last thing is you have self-control. Now, if you'd like to live your life with, with more purpose, it starts with knowing what God wants from you. And that's why, as soon as the service is over, we want to encourage you to check out small groups. I'm not saying that every answer in life is going to be found by the guy that's standing behind that table. But the source that he'll be using has answers. It's in our small groups where we have fellowship, where we know each other, where we discover together what God's Word says, and we try to say, hey, God, help us to use this in a practical way in my daily living. Now, I believe there could be others of you, and you may be ready to take the step of giving yourself to God. To say, you know what, I, I am tired 
of just simply living for me. I want my life to count. And I really believe most people want their life to count. If you want your life to count, it will count the most with Jesus. Because he's the one that created us. He's the one that has an idea of how this life is to go. He's got the master plan. And so your call from God is to trust him and to follow him.